Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. And we are now. All right, welcome. Hello, everyone. Don't mind the dog crunching in the background. <laughs> Still displaced. Yeah, no kidding. It's it's changing though. Our the church looks great. All the updates, and mm-hmm. we got new offices, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a digital studio soon. We'll be doing this podcast from our digital studio. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll have vi- you know we'll have video. I'm sure people would want to watch this. Boy, I'm why s- would they want to watch? <laughs> well, this? Honestly, guys, I'm starting to think like I need to come to church in like full hair and makeup because half the time somebody's recording something. And I I'm know. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> gotta gotta yeah. get it together here. Could be on TikTok. Yeah. Annie, what do you want to talk about today? Well, I kind of want to talk about TikTok a little bit. Um, I know we've brushed on it in the past, but I heard something recently that um, TikTok is becoming like Google for the younger generation. So it's almost a search engine where if you're looking for advice on something or a recipe or whatever, um, people are going to TikTok. And I'm one of those people. I found myself doing it the other day to look up. You are a young person at heart. I am. You don't... I'm not you're gonna, not going to get old. No, I won't. I you're kind of like Mariah Carey. She doesn't even know her age, right? You don't even want to know what what how old you are, right? I mean, I just I know, but I just don't care. Yeah. So, what makes TikTok different than YouTube? I mean, people use YouTube as a search engine. Why is TikTok better? Why shorter? I th- I think that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in my opinion, I f- I feel like yeah, it's more succinct. And then if you don't get the answer that you needed it's not like you've invested mm-hmm. you know 10 minutes of your time it's three minutes tops. do ads pop up yeah um, sometimes if you're if you're scrolling like if you're uh you know going through tiktok and just kind of scrolling you'll get like a sponsored uh. tiktok or something my only experience with tiktok is pastor bill sending uh-huh. me videos of dogs and uh-huh. you just showed me another one of a <laughs> of an owner who moved their couch and their blind dog jumped onto this couch but no conscious there and oh. ran into the wall oh that just, all laughed. <laughs> that's I just mean, wrong two of the three of us are dog lovers here and i laughed but um so that's my only experience bill pastor bill just sends me dog videos there there Maybe. is a lot of good i would i would say good content on tiktok there's funny stuff there's whatever but there's also really practical life hacks in fact they they brought in a guy who i uh, on the today show I think two days ago mm-hmm. and um, I've seen him on TikTok like doing all these life hacks and like practical things and they, they found him and brought him on the Today Show to demonstrate some of his life hacks so is there any downside yes let's what hear it, Matt it? what's it I think the fact is that like because information spreads so quickly that it's getting further and further from the source mm-hmm. um, and so like if if you hear something on the basically right like i feel like at this point if you hear something on the internet and you'd have no reason to doubt that it's true you will think that it's true mhm so quicker you could spread misinformation faster yeah i mean like things like anything that has a political twist yes. everyone is a little suspicious of so yes. then people oh it could be misinformation but if it's um, I don't know if it's anything like it could be something about like something that happened in history 500 years ago. This civilization did this or that. If I just wrote that on Wikipedia, people would think it was true. 
if I put that in a TikTok, people would think that was true. So, if, I mean, if you're making a TikTok, I mean, that's that's uh, like one one level further removed from whatever the source of the information is. But people just absorb information so much faster through videos. They don't even have to read now. You just watch a video on it. Like, oh, my goodness, I learned so much. Well, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, because maybe it's true or maybe and it's not. Yeah, yeah, like away from the source, I think there's no credible source anymore, right? Everybody is a yeah. source and everybody yeah. has an opinion. Mm-hmm. My, I think the downside, and I don't, my attention span continues to get shorter yep. and shorter. Yep. Like, I thought I used to have, uh, you know, the ability to, to concentrate when I read and things like that. And now I'm like just looking for the phone and I'm not even yeah. on the TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not good. But if it's something like cooking or right. something like that, like, that's oh, here's a cooking say. tip. Yeah, a quick video on what to do. Yeah. I don't see a, I don't see any problem with that. I forget how to make rice. Like literally, it's so stupid. I always forget what the port. Like it's a two to one, yeah, three to who six. Knows? Yeah. I don't even know. So I do often have to look that up, and I, you know, yeah, or yeah, yeah something a, a very objective, you know, a recipe or, um, you know, life hack or something. But yeah, but there are definitely people on who want to talk about their political views and, um, you know, religious. There's religious TikToks, spiritual yeah. TikToks. Um, and that I would argue, yeah, it gets further from the source. Or then you get this, this person who's like, I was a former CIA agent and I'm going to give you all the dirt. And it's like, "Mm, I don't really know. Yeah. Who knows? You know, one other significant thing, it really just struck me. Um, you know, previous generation, I would ask my dad or a friend about information or how to do something. Um, and about a week ago we heard in the morning, we heard something coming from Annie's room. And I'm like, Annie, what are you doing? For the fa- past few weeks, she has put together this like workout routine. And I'm like, where did you get all this? She looked it up on YouTube and mm-hmm. she's 13. Yeah, no, she's 11 years old. <laughs> 11 years old as bad. Know this one. But she found it all on her own. Yeah. Didn't need me at all. You know, she's like, I do legs this day. I do upper body this day. I'm like, where'd you learn us? I, mm-hmm. I saw a video and I kept on watching these different videos. And so, the good that they have access to anything, it can learn anything. I think the bad and and is that you get caught in this algorithm and you could have a totally different value system than maybe the, the people around you, your family, mm-hmm. and you're not getting necessarily your education and, and a lot of your values necessarily from your families. You could just hop right over it. And I've heard this too where, you know, maybe some some people who are living in Nebraska or in the Midwest were kind of isolated from some of the, the more, the, the ideas that were happening on the coasts. And now everybody is exposed to every idea mm-hmm. at every age. And they're mm-hmm. challenged to make a decision on a lot of these hard issues mm-hmm. uh, because they've already seen it at age eight mm-hmm. and 10 on, on video. So yeah. And now TikTok is just a quicker way to even get more, right. m- more information. Right. So yeah. So I think the combina- the benefit is the combination of seeing it in action mm-hmm. paired with the length yep. of time. You're not making too much of an investment in, in commitment and something that might not be useful like in, on YouTube. So I, I don't know. I, I like it. I'm not going I'm not going to TikTok to ask about, you know, politics or anything, right. but just for I, I know pastors who, who use it and they say they can reach a lot of people through it. So I wonder if that's something that eventually uh, we'll get more into so yeah it seems like something you have to monitor yourself on 
and make sure, like you said, like the attention span thing, but then the inability, like with that, the inability to stick with things that get hard. So mm-hmm. that if you watch a video, it's like a how to, and you try it once you're like, oh, this is too hard. I give up because you're used to getting everything so quickly. Mm. Yeah. And so are you willing to actually put in the work or pay attention? No. On something. <laughs> <laughs> Short answer. <laughs> Get right to that it. is my answer as well. <laughs> we just have access to so many tools and anything that can be used for good can also be used right, for bad. So. Right. so do you think we should all jump on the TikTok train? I don't know. I At least I, if we want to make like better it, rice. But, hmm? At least if we, we want to make better rice. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's just on the it's on the back of the inst- like the instructions are on the back of the bag. Well, I empty my bag. I empty the bag into a container, and so then I, I forget. Oh, the- like a ceramic jar because you have a matching set. I don't. Do you want to? Oh. S- we're at my house. I could show you. It's like an old applesauce jar or something. Like it's not even fancy. Why don't you keep it in the bag? I don't know. Kind of, kind of bougie. Annie. Do you <laughs> in my in my old applesauce jar, Matt? <laughs> yes, I'm very bougie. I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it from the home decor store. Yeah, speaking of home decor, do you want to get into fall decorations? Uh, you were <laughs> ranting <I don't>, on, <laughs> on that a little bit. I don't need to. Okay, right. I don't want to. I don't want to alienate people. I'm not a. Fa- I I don't do it. I think it's a waste of money. Okay, that's it. Well, okay, but in general, in general, I think yeah, sometimes it's okay to get festive, but I do think people spend way too much money on appearance. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where most of your money goes is on things that you want people to notice about you that really don't matter. Uh-huh. For me, I don't even notice when my wife and youngest daughter, Annie, also uh, will change tons of things in our house. And You're they, like the dog. I, yeah, I don't know. That's right. Just jump right into it. But they love that stuff. Yeah, they, they love it. Why. I don't even notice it. I think maybe it's because I'm never home, and so I don't. Yeah. Uh, Why would you care? Yeah. Or like I've got two teenage boys, and it's like yeah. well, they're they just gonna care. mess it up anyway. They don't care. <laughs> um, I don't know. So it's it's fine for some people. I it's just not my. Yeah. I don't need a sign that says it's fall, y'all. <laughs> Even though I will say it, it's fall, y'all. <laughs> I'm just That's a very function based person. Yeah. Anyway. Matt, are you doing a lot of? Uh, Home decor. Home decor. Are you changing no. seasons? I have not. I have not technically finished unpacking since I moved. <laughs> okay. Like In two July. months ago. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a, there's some paintings I bought. I really like them. They're still in like a plastic. They're all wrapped up and they're okay. still not on the wall. What okay. does Kyle just, think about them? Kyle's I, his roommate. I don't know because they're not up. They're just sitting in a he plastic on the floor. I don't know. I mm. could ask him. Yeah. It's a. Uh, I just can't I just can't find the energy to do something that is not like immediately valuable. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Enough on that or Yeah, oh definitely. Yes. We didn't even have to. But. Um thing I was interested in talking about, we recently had a staff training on uh mental health and anxiety and it was something that that really came up in our staff like this is something we need to talk about. We had a great speaker from um Christian Family Solutions come in. Karen Fisher, and she just did a great job. And I think that what I want to talk about and and what struck me is when do you need to talk to a licensed therapist and when should you go talk to a pastor? And I think in the past, anytime you had any kind of distress in your life, you know, 100 years ago, you would definitely go to your pastor. 
And now if you have any kind of stress in your life, you'll definitely go to a therapist. Um, and what are the differences and when would you go to one and not the other and how do they work together and how maybe they work in different spheres? And I think that's important because I, I do think there's a lot of mental health issues, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, how can we serve? And and we have a whole program at our church to, to refer people to Wisconsin, uh, ch- uh, Christian Family Solutions, and we want to work together with them, or we refer outside of that as well. Um, so what do you guys think? When do you think you should talk to uh, a pastor, and when should you talk to a licensed therapist, and uh, what are the differences and the benefits, you think? I don't know. I, I almost feel like... Pa- that's a lot of pressure to put on a pastor, particularly back in the day. I mean, y'all, I mean, if you're having to care for so many people um, and the, the, are you equipped to do that? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess for me, I, I would think that if it's a short term mm-hmm. problem, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, maybe somebody passed away and you're mm-hmm. just trying to help them get over the hump. So anything that you, that maybe you could help them get over the hump as a pastor, mm-hmm. but anything that's like maybe a state of mind or a long term or mm-hmm. obviously a chemical problem that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I don't, that's right. a lot to put on, a lot of pressure for you. Yeah. I what don't do you, know. That's great. What do you think, Matt? I don't know. It's tough because in some ways, like the people at Christian Family Solutions are going to give you like a good, like biblical reminder of some things that will help you like mm-hmm. a pastor would. And I think talking to talking to anyone is going to help you in some ways in the way talking to a therapist will, because mm-hmm. it'll give you some perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, I know sometimes I think not enough people go to therapy and in other times I think, Way too many people go to mm-hmm, therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that was something you know that that she brought out right away, and I thought that she did a great job. Was you know so, some of the things are normal. Like if you're anxious or you have a, a rough day, some of the, like mm-hmm. that's that's normal. We all we all go through this. Um, I thought it was really important bringing up. Um, you know, if this is if if you're not able to function in your day to day life, you need to talk to a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, you need professional help. And what I think, um, a good clinical therapist can help, obviously when it comes to severe disorders or things like that, like that's way out of a pastor's league. But if it's, um, distorted views of reality, like how you're processing what's going on, you know, she had that whole sheet on if you're mind reading, constantly assuming what people are thinking about you, um, if you're maximizing situations or you get stuck in the past or you're afraid of the future and you have these kind of distortions of what reality is. You know, I've talked to, I've talked to Karen actually, um, and, and other therapists when I, you know, have a distorted view of the past or the future or reality. And it's just so helpful to have somebody kind of help you walk through that. Um, what I did think she, she was really interesting also that traditional therapists if if you follow like the freudian uh origins it, it's it's kind of rooted in secular humanism and that whole idea of secular humanism is to just get rid of any kind of guilt so if you have any kind of guilt find some way to not to explain it away um and then so that you can 
be self-actualized is what she talked about. And she doesn't buy into that. And I think that's where a pastor can come in. Mm. Um, instead of trying to explain away the guilt, instead of trying to um, you know, say, oh, that's just because of your upbringing or that's just because of your situation or that just... Sometimes we sin. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we screwed something up. I've screwed up things and we just need to hear the gospel. And I think that's where a pastor can come in um, to declare the forgiveness of sins, uh, to give the Lord's Supper, uh, to help somebody see that that God still loves them, that God still has a plan for their life, to show specific scriptures that point to that. And I think um, sometimes you don't need to explain the way the guilt. Sometimes you just need the forgiveness of sins. Mm. So sometimes we put unnecessary guilt on ourselves, and we have distorted views of you know taking on blame that we didn't do, taking on things that's not our fault, maybe an abuse or a loss or a grief or something. And I think that's where a therapist can really help if you have if you can't see reality for whatever reason from mm-hmm. trauma or or any other reason that's so easy for us to do. That's where I think. And then and then a lot of times those can work together. If you work with a therapist, especially a Christian therapist, you can and it doesn't have to be. You can sign a waiver so that the pastor can can talk to the therapist, and that's been the best case scenario. I've I've had that happen where it's like I know what the therapist is saying so I can reinforce Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And then the therapist understands where we're coming from in our faith and they're not going to actively try to undermine that either. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that's the best case scenario. Another thing I maybe just wanted to touch on was that whole idea of mind reading, you know, thinking about you being, being so concerned about what other people are thinking of you. You talked about technology, man, some of the social media technology is so playing into like Snapchat. If somebody doesn't open up your post, I know a lot of our teenagers are really struggling with this. If somebody isn't responding like you thought, you can spend a whole day, some of our teenagers are spending a whole day making up these stories about what the other person thinks about them. And that happened in high school when we were in high school too. But now I think this technology is leading to more and more stress and anxiety and depression because you can make up this whole story about what all these other people are thinking about you even though they probably aren't well but i think part of that problem too is that we're in like this you know ghosting culture where yeah. like so it, i mean it's coming from somewhere so if you're if your snap isn't being opened mm-hmm. i mean people just kind of do that if, if there wasn't kind if, if that was not actively happening and right. happening often right maybe we wouldn't be having this you know, having these feelings of like, why didn't they open it? Are they ghosting right. me? Right. Because it's just, it happens so often. That's what I'm, yeah. And so, so many different ways for people to feel isolated and unaccepted. And, and yeah, people are actually intentionally doing that. So some of it's not minor. There's, there is intentional. So there used to be ways to maybe, hey, I'm not going to talk to you today. But now it, it can be, I think, even stronger with some. So that, there's a reason I, think I don't people know why are people so- just don't say I don't want to talk to you anymore. Right. Like that would be I a just, lot easier. That's, yeah. No, that's not easier. That's well, confronting. It's, but it's, that's hard. Right. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're you risk someone not liking you, which is right. ironic because you don't like them. Right. But it's it's that's that's where the values are all skewed. Yeah. You know, because you spend a lot of time trying to get people to like you, and you don't really want to confront the fact someone might not like you, even if you decide you don't like them. So you just stop talking to them. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. That, that's, what, that's what it is. 
you know, deep down is you don't want to confront. The reason you don't want to confront people is because you're scared. You're scared they'll get mad. They'll scare you. They're, you're scared you'll make them upset. But it, I, I guess there's no, for me, it's, it's not surprising that our young people are going through so many mental health issues. If mm-hmm. you, if, if your day is around that, you're sending something out there, you're hoping to have some kind of connection with somebody, people are intentionally controlling you or, or not opening things uh, to, to, for whatever reason. And, uh, and so you make up these stories in your head. Nobody likes me. Mm-hmm. This is who I always am. I'm never going to. And, and that, that's what leads to, you know, a part of our mental health crisis, not, not well, all of it. And um, when people do respond, you, you know, you, there's always multiple ways to interpret a text message. Mm. So if you're already on edge, then you're going to think, oh, maybe they meant that sarcastically mm-hmm. or right. they didn't put enough smiley faces after mm-hmm. it. So they didn't really right. mean it, you know, right. that kind of thing. I have friends where I have to be very careful when I, because I know that they have anxious tendencies. Mm -hmm. I know that the way they think. Right. And so like, if I don't respond, you know, like, or I'll, or or I will say, you know, the next day, Oh, my bad. I saw this and forgot to respond so that they don't dwell on it and think I'm ignoring them. Right. Um, so it's another one of those things you're talking about. It's a blessing to have technology, be able to talk to, uh, people, but, Hi, Piglet. We got our Piglet in here. <laughs> Murphy. <laughs> but uh, it's a, it can lead, man, if we could just spend some time together in the same room, as hard as yeah, that right. is, that is just going to help people emotionally, mentally. We're, we're designed by God to be social creatures. We're, you know, it's not good for us to be alone. It says on the second page of the Bible. Yeah. So I don't know that those two things together. So sometimes you need to talk to a pastor if you, if you have, real guilt and sin in your life that you, you, you don't know how to deal with that. Sometimes you need to talk to a therapist because, you know, it just, for whatever reason, the trauma, the grief, the, the challenges, the mental health, some of the, the, the chemical imbalance, whatever it is. And then sometimes we have to just find ways to restructure our life because some of the things that we're doing are putting mm-hmm. us in a place where we're not this is not healthy for us mentally. And sometimes you just need to, yeah, just or change surroundings or just talk to a friend, yeah. just talk to someone. But I don't know what, what, what I find a little bit, not scary, but is just a little concerning is that people are, are so quick to label themselves now. It's like, oh, I was, I was, I've been diagnosed with like clinical, what are they, anxiety or de- depression or something. And, Oh, and they'll just say that about themselves. Like, oh, I'm an anxious person. It's like, okay, on one hand, it's good for me to know that. On the other hand, are you using that to excuse your behaviors? Are you actively in that cycle where you're just like, well, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And so that means I don't eat very much. I don't get enough sleep and I go to therapy. Those are just static pillars in my life now because this is kind of person I am. And they're not, then you don't really start to see it as like, something that you can work through. It's just mm. sort of like your identity. Yeah. Yep. That's part of who I am. Oh, yeah. Right. That's hard. Yeah. And you could see why somebody would do that and why they would uh, have that. And maybe they've been told too that that's who they are. And it's interesting. Yeah. And then some people say, you know, this is what I struggle with. I have this anxiety disorder. I have these things. I struggle with these things. Um, but I'm working through it. And I think that's, we always want people to have hope, yeah. right? And I think when you lose hope, maybe you'll struggle with this the rest of your life, but hope that 
that you can work through it, hope that you can get better. Just don't want people to lose hope and, and to give up. And one thing that Karen said about victim mentality is mm. when something bad happens to you, to not identify with the bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with like the mental disorder. Like, oh, I'm going through a rough patch right now. Yeah. But you can't say like internalize that and make that part of who you are. And they even, she even indicated that that was, I think a piece of resilience was seeing hardship as just like kind of a, a bump in the road and then saying, okay, Mm -hmm. this is a challenge and we're going to get through it. And here we go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm so inspired by people who have been victims of, you know, real victims. There's, there's a victimhood, a victim mentality, but there also are real victims but so often victims call themselves survivors mm-hmm. and, and that's so uh, inspiring to see that they've been through something really hard and they call themselves a survivor. It doesn't mean they have it all perfect or they don't still struggle or they're working through things. So again, if you're caught in that, uh, yeah, th- go talk to somebody, go see, go see a counselor. Uh, yeah. M- maybe work with a pastor if that would be helpful. Um, and, and, don't give up on hope. Don't give up on hope that, that things can continue to get better. Maybe it's two steps forward, three steps back. But like you said, once you start identifying that, that this mm-hmm. is who I always am, I think that can be really hard to move through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Hopefully that was helpful. Matt, what do you want to talk about? Uh, so for everyone in our audience that is keeping up with um, the chess world, which is most <laughs> of you, I know, um, <laughs> So well, so big the, chess contingent listens to this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there in in the world of chess, there there's sort of a, a scandal going on or a, a possible. I'm not. We're not going to talk too much about it because it's not confirmed. But it seems like one of the um, people competing was cheating. People at the people who are competing at like the top level of chess. How how do you how is he cheating? So they have so. Um, for the past, I don't know, maybe like 30 years, they've been built, they have a chess engine or just, it's just called a, or it's called a chess engine. It's just a computer and it, it can just look at like a position of pieces and it can tell you what is the best move, mm-hmm. you know, because the computer can calculate out like 30 moves in advance or something. So, okay, the best move is this. So all you need is a way for someone else to have a computer for you and you, you could get a signal somehow, basically, mm. and then it would tell you. Okay. And so, I mean, they were watching this this young guy and he's playing and he was like doing okay, but then all of a sudden, like partway through the game, like every move he made for like the second half of the game was like statistically like the best move. Mm. And afterwards, they asked him about it. And typically in these situations, the players will you know, oh, well, you know, what made you decide to do this? You know, yeah. typically they'll, their, their brains all work like computers. They're like, oh, well, I wanted to go here because I saw if he did this, then I would go here. Then, you know, and they just start listing off moves and, and he wouldn't like really say anything about it. Uh, and, you know, okay. so there's, there's, the, and he has admitted to cheating in the past. Okay. His coach has been caught cheating in the past. Oh, okay. So all it's, signs. there's a lot of evidence, but for the game that's in question, right? There's, there's no, confirmation but he was playing the best he was playing um magnus who's the best player in the world five years running um but what i want to get to is this um the guy who is in question his name is hans and he is 19 years old mm-hmm. and the top if you're a top chess player they call you a grandmaster. that's the title mm-hmm. um and on planet earth i looked this up there are like 2700 people who are billionaires 
there are only 1,700 people who are chess grandmasters. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. So like in the state of Wisconsin, statistically, there is one person hmm. who can play at the top level of chess. Like, there's, Is that you? <laughs> no. Oh, okay, not just close. <laughs> No, but I mean, like if you're a chess grandmaster, you're literally one in like 4 million people on the planet. Wow. wow. It's insane. So, I mean, and these, there's no doubt that they're all, that he's real smart and all this, but... Um, the, the struggle with it is is like the game of chess get, keeps getting harder and harder, like every sport. Right. Right. They keep breaking records and things. And chess, like you have a wider and wider database to go back and look at mm-hmm. of all the different moves that have been made. And they have computers that are getting better. And people are starting to play younger and younger. And basically the way your brain develops, like when you're young, you have a lot of fluid intelligence. And so some of these people are achieving this one in four million status at age like 14. Mm. Like, you know, they're they're way, way, way better than me by like age 10, you know. And, you know, some of these kids at 12 years old could beat all three of us with our brains put together, you know. Fascinating. Keep going. Yeah. So... So, I mean, and that's kind of the way, like, if, if any of us decided that we were going to devote our lives to the game of chess and wanted to be the best, I mean, it, it's physically, basically impossible. Like, our brains, you're too old, basically, oh, for your brain no, to no. really be able to figure it out. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, yeah, so most of these people are, are, are hitting this are hitting this really high status before adulthood. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the, re, the way you gain up to that level is you, it's all competitive. Mm-hmm. So you gain points by beating other players. Mm-hmm. So it's not, like, it's not like you take a test and you get there. Right. You have to keep beating people. So it right. just keeps getting harder and harder, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to talk about, we've talked about this before, just the pressure. Mm-hmm. And so this guy, Hans Niemann, He's 19 years old. He's playing with top players. Um, How his, old is Magnus? Magnus is like 30 plus. Dang. But he's been the world champion for like five years running, I think. Okay. And he became a grandmaster at age like 14. Okay. So he's he's been, he's his the guy's crazy. His brain is a supercomputer. Okay. But just thinking through, so for this for this younger guy, um, he he's on he streams chess games and he's on the, he's online a lot, but um basically his online persona as far as i can tell is a huge jerk really oh, full of himself this is hans this is hans oh. yeah and like and you know you don't i don't know him obviously and and your your online persona is is whatever it is but he yeah I mean, he just comes across as like the type of person that would start screaming at his assistants in any given situation mm-hmm. if they made him look stupid and um and it, it just, it goes back to, I, we were talking about like, you know, getting your kid involved in the best sports program when they're mm-hmm. in middle school, so that by the time they get to high school, so that by the time they get to college, so that they can make it to the pros, all this. And, and you know, especially like in the game of chess that you just, there's so much ego there because it, it's a mental thing, you know? So you're just like, I am so smart because I can do this. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't, I just... I just wanted to I just wanted to bring that up and and kind of come back to that point about the danger for young people yeah. even if you can even if you are a prodigy that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea. Mm. Um I was telling Annie about this I knew you were going to be talking about this that I just watched a documentary on Lance Armstrong and it just reminded me of that same kind of personality where you know he started out he's okay he's a good biker he's good but then uh, he went over to Europe and he saw what he 
was going to do or have to do to actually be the top. And then he just started getting into steroids and he made everybody on his team do steroids. And he just, his public persona was pretty, you know, positive, but behind the scenes, he would destroy anybody on his team who wasn't taking it with him. Uh, and then once people suspected, like it just, it was ridiculous. It was like when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire started hitting 70 home runs mm-hmm. in a year at age 45 or whatever mm-hmm. it was like, okay, something's going on here. And then he got um, cancer, which many people believe was because of his steroid use. And he came back from that after losing all of his energy, being on chemo, all that stuff. And also now he's won the Tour de France, which uh, whatever it was, seven times. Um, but that same personality of, I'm going to do this. I don't care what I have to do to, to get there. I don't care who I have to step over to get there. The ego, um, almost kind of like pathological liar where he could, he was asked literally hundreds of times, do you do steroids? No. And the way he would get around it, he, used to, he would do blood transfusions and you'd make everybody on the team do it too, where they would take all the steroids, pump their blood out of their system, get tested, pump that same blood back in their system and go ride. And just crazy. And then and then when people brought, you know, challenged him on it, reporters or other bikers, he would just destroy their life. He would make sure they wouldn't ever win again, wouldn't make sure they wouldn't get any business again. Um, and then on top of that, you know, he would have this huge foundation for cancer uh, research or support or whatever that lives strong, the yellow bracelets, you know, tens of millions of dollars that he would put towards that. So on the outside... He would say, like, look at all the good I'm doing. And so, yeah, I think there's something with that personality, that that almost pathological, I have to be top. I, you know, you're, you're striving to, to get power. You have that kind of villain. Uh, I have to win at all costs versus I have this gift of God. I remember listening to another a documentary on um, Bo Jackson. Do you remember Bo Jackson? Kinda. Is he a football player? He, he was baseball. football and baseball player, and he just said, "Hey, if God gives you these gifts, you got to use them." And that was a different way to think of who he was. You know, hey, I, I have the, I, I'm just gifted. I'm, I'm good at this. Then the, I have to be on top, and I don't have. It doesn't matter what I have to do to get there. You know, so. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. It, it just seems like with with like really young kids though, like. They would not. I don't know. I I don't. I can't see them ever having the judgment at that age to see that as a gift and not just see that as they are a gift from God to all the human race. Right. You know. Um, and so I don't know. That's that 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 has just always been dangerous to me to have you know the prodigy kid or to have the yeah. parents who really really pressure the kid. Hey, you're good at piano. You're gonna practice three hours a day from age four. Yeah. You know. But the scary part for me is when you start to cheat, like, cause that, that's a line of, it's no longer about, I have this great gift. I want to use it. Now it's, I will win at any cost, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I bring this up probably every podcast, but like, that's, that's eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's saying, I want to change the rules. I want to move the goalposts. I want to do whatever it takes so I can be God. So I can, um, I can be on top and it doesn't matter what I have to do to get there. And I think that's when it crosses the line. If, if you can't get there because you worked hard and and you have to cheat to get there, well, maybe God isn't calling you to do to, to right. be on top, right? right? You know? That would yeah. bother my conscience. I don't feel like I could 
right? Cheats at that, you know, like that and not, and then, and then win right. and then feel like, oh, I did it. Right. Like, yeah. it seems weird to me. <laughs> like, how could you feel right about winning? It's, that's very, that's very bizarre. But it, it seems like the more you win and the bigger your ego gets, mm. then everybody else gets smaller in your estimation. Mm. And you start, you start to think that, you know, the, the one thing true in the universe is that I am winning, that I win, I succeed, you know, and that becomes more, as you keep proving that to be true, then you start, um, you know, kind of teaching yourself that that is the truth. And so now it has to be true. I have to win because you've based your whole life on that. Identity on it. Yeah. yeah. Our conscience is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. Now, it can, we can have an overactive conscience, but to have your conscience hardened and seared, that can be very dangerous because then there's no stopping you or who, you, who you're going to step on. Um, so it's, it's really, it's, it's, it was sad to watch this documentary and then to think about this other guy too, you know, like, yeah, what is the satisfaction of being on top if you had to bend the rules to get there? Um, What's the glory in that, right? right. And even the, the world champion, uh, Magnus um, from Norway, I mean, he's even said things like, it's chess is just not even that much fun anymore. Like it used to be kind of like this journey you're taking, you're kind of figuring this out. You feel like you're getting better. You're beating mm-hmm. stronger players. And now he's like, it's not fun anymore. It's just pressure because now I, everything I do, everyone's, oh, he's the best player in the world. Like, what's he going to do? Is he going to keep winning? Right. You know, everything he does draws attention and it's just pressure and stress for him now. Yeah. It's not like a fun, um, you know, kind of quest he's going on mm-hmm. to, to reach the, the status he's achieved. Yeah, there's... Those two, and that, that I think I'm also maybe mentioned this before, but in Chariots of Fire, those the one runner says, "When I God made me fast, and when I run, I feel His pleasure." And then the sprinter, who's not a Christian, says, "I have 45 seconds to justify my existence." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's that I think those kind of give the two different ways to look at life: is do I have these gifts that God has given me that I want to be faithful with, or do I have this chip on my shoulder that I have to, I need to do this to prove my worth. And, and I, I think we probably all go back and forth on that mm-hmm. at some level. Uh, but once you live in that, I have to prove myself, um, man, the, the, there's, no, there's nothing you won't do. And that, that can be mm-hmm. scary. You have, to be, you have to be careful for that. I yeah. see a lot of that in the music community. What do you mean? Like just people who feel like this is, you know, this is my my shots, I'm going to shoot my shot. And yeah. you know, it's my value is in what I can do and what I can produce. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. And, it, and I mean, that's sort of inherently competitive. Like if you go to a show and there's one band playing and then there's the next band playing, you know, everyone in the audience is comparing, mm-hmm. Oh, the second band was way better, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't not feel that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a performer up there, that you're being weighed against everyone else. Mm-hmm. The other thing about music too is like you get a shot in the sun and you might be on top for a little while mm-hmm. and you're just as talented, but then some, you know, somebody else mm-hmm. likes a different band all of a right. sudden yeah. and, and you're forgotten quickly. Mm-hmm. So you, you yeah. can't, man, that I, you know, I think that's one reason why so many tank afterwards, because if you, 
I think people have said that's what happened to Michael Jackson. He had this huge hit thriller Mm -hmm. and he was always trying to recapture the success of thriller and it never, never got there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and some people aren't even talented. I mean, this is always a debate, like, you know, but some people, you say, they're not even that talented. Why do they get to be famous? You know, Mm -hmm. that every year there's some new thing that happens on the radio and it's like, why why did they choose this yeah. this is awful yeah. you know yeah so i man but yeah that's really hard i you see it over and over again throughout history you see it in the bible uh and you you see it happen where i have to cheat i have to bend the rules i have to destroy my competition i have to because i have to prove that i matter and man i just look up to the people who are having fun and see this as a gift and they go as far as they can go and then they don't take themselves so seriously that's the person Mm -hmm. i want to be like and want to learn from so but that's got to be a lot of pressure yeah and and again in the in the case for anyone who actually cares um in the case of this chess match it is i'm not saying that you know the person is not confirmed as having cheated in in the instance in question but um yeah i think more dangerous is sort of just the personality that has come with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the amount of success. And he's only 19 years old, 19 years old. And you're competing in like a worldwide sport at the top level. You know, it's crazy. So I guess the question is like, so if you're a parent and you recognize your kid wants to do this one thing, they're really, really good at it. You know, like, do you just let them do it? And do you try to like, just keep them grounded or do you have to cut them off and say, you know, it's not good for you to become this good at something when you're so young? That's really hard. I, I think there's a lot of parent. Our kids are great, but we don't have to struggle. Well, but I was that. just going to say how, how many people are actually having this problem, right. you know, where, yeah. they, like, where their kid is like the creme de la creme of whatever. Yeah. Well, um, or, or maybe less so. I mean, in, in lots of families, there's still a, a, a lot of pressure to succeed. Mm-hmm. If you as the parent have worked really hard and you've set a high standard, the kid feels the pressure, whether you want him to or not. And, yeah. and I mean, j- just think about like, you know, the number of things your kids, your kids have to do to build a college resume when they're in high school. Like, oh, you should play at least three sports. You should do the choir, right. the band, the musical. You got to be in the NHS. You got to volunteer at this or that place on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know what that's all good for in the long run. Yeah, I, th- I think I've struggled with that. With, all right, how much do we push our kids? How much do we put them in? Uh, are we not giving them enough opportunities uh, to succeed, you know, not putting them in enough camps, enough trainers or enough this. Um, for me, one of the things I'm trying to do is pay attention to what comes naturally mm-hmm. and that they enjoy and then give them as much opportunity as they can. You know, one child is not going to be in sport. I mean, our oldest Shelby, she's not, she's not really interested in sports. So I, how can we give her um, the opportunities and the other areas that she's great at, uh, you know, I think about Jonah, you know, he loves sports. All right. How can we help him out with that? And, and Annie, she's very creative. All right. How can we foster that without putting too much pressure? So yes, I think so much of parenting, which I'm still trying to figure out is just paying attention, 
seeing when the light bulb goes on in their lives Mm -hmm. and then helping them develop skills to enjoy what they're naturally gifted at. I I don't know. What do you think? And enjoy life too, right? Because a lot of these things, music and sports and, you know, art and things like that, like these are enjoyable things. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, I think it's natural to enjoy something if you're good at it. right? Right. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Find kind of what they're gravitating toward and what mm-hmm. their abilities are and give them the opportunities to enjoy yep. enjoy it. So you got to listen and you got to be self-aware enough to know when is this something I want versus yeah. when is it something they want. Right. And I think, you know, being honest too. I mean, I think about a lot of times, you know, people who whose parents have told them that they, they can, they have musical ability mm-hmm. and they don't. <laughs> do you know what i mean though we've all seen it american idol trials things like that where well you know my mom is my biggest fan and she's told me my whole life that i can sing and and no you you can't like but you can do something and isn't that fast i love that yes maybe it's not this yeah but let's find what you're good at you're good at something you have gifts everybody has gifts even uh I don't know if I should bring this up, but Logan was talking. Logan uh, is in seventh grade. He's in he's taking eighth grade math, and he was saying how <laughs> there's one family at the school where all the kids are like really smart. Yeah, and I won't name names, but yeah. um, he's like, and they're all smarter than me, even even the little one, you know. <laughs> and I was like, what are you worried about? I'm like, you've got gifts. What are you What are you worried about? Yeah. Like, put yeah. drumsticks in their hand and and see what they do with them. You know, right. like you, you've exactly. got your own gifts. You know, exactly. It's okay. You don't have to. He's like, no, I know. But I think, yeah, just encouraging them and their strengths. I had a bad experience with this. All my neighbors were were really good baseball players, and I was okay. But we all played together, and I went on their traveling team. And it's like my seventh and eighth grade year, we did something. In addition to like the regular little league teams, we did a traveling team. I think I played like 60 baseball games in like two months or three months it was like double headers every day we had monday off (laughs) and i got okay but i didn't want to play anymore i didn't want to touch a baseball i didn't want to play in high school and and uh some guys one kid went to the pros on that team um because that came naturally and enjoyed it so that was i was trying to do it because i wanted to be with those kids but looking back like i wish i would have done something else because i just yeah, and my parents were supportive, and but I wasn't that great. So I think that that can happen. And it was just drudgery. I just, mm. I didn't want to touch another. That, I don't know if you've ever heard of um, uh, Andre Agassi's story. He hated tennis. Mm. He hated it. And his dad totally drove him nuts on it. And, and he, you know, he got good. Um, and he wrote a book, I think it's called Open. Um, and then once he failed and tanked and he started playing for fun again he started enjoying it and and uh, i think he won again later on in life but for for most of his life he hated the game but it was all driven he had his parents saw he had natural gifts and so then they just don't you think that happens a lot though like especially with a lot of like pro athletes and musicians and things like that don't you think it's like the parents really driving it and then that's kind of it's also why they're yeah. As good as they are. Like, yeah. so it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, you're pushing it and shoving it down their throat, but that's why you're in the pros. Right. Like, but I think some like it though. Some want to be there. Yeah. 
I, I think they enjoy it. It comes natural. It feels, you know, it's interesting. Our, our son, he he says for football, for him, he's like, Dad, I finally get this sport. All the other sports I play, I, I'm okay, but I, I just don't understand how they all work. Like, I get there, and I just feel like I'm at home. I feel like I can do it. I know what, how it works, and that that's cool. Like, the, that's the light bulb that came on. So he he, I don't need to force him to practice or train or he just wants to in other areas he he does have to force it and and you probably have to force your kids to try a couple things just so they can go through that experience but you probably shouldn't have to do that a ton and if you have to be honest with i mean i think that's maybe that same kind of mentality as the cheater you know why are you stepping on this kid who who are you doing this for is it for your own ego and you have to be self-aware with that yeah Mm -hmm. So, muy bien. That's all I got. Cool. Yeah. I think at the end, it's amazing how God gift, gives us gifts mm-hmm. and the variety, and mm-hmm. then just it's worth praising Him for. Mm-hmm. So, amen. All right. Adios, amigos. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello. Hello.